The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now... Here is your host, Grace Goller. Welcome to another edition of Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Goller, and this week the show is coming to you from Germany. And today on Navigating the Maze, I want to talk more about a topic we initiated a few weeks ago. We talked about surviving survival, but this time I want to speak to the issue of communication methods specifically used by cancer patients in the process of managing their cancer and how communication, or lack of it, can affect outcome. You know, everyone desires the best outcome from cancer treatments, but the patient's role, not only the doctor's role in recovery, is crucial. So today we're going to be talking about the patient's role and the number of ways that communication can actually be beneficial or not in the journey of the cancer patient. So in the past, we've talked quite a lot on navigating the cancer maze about the power of support groups, their influence on patients, but little has actually been said about the power of the new patient tool, which is the cancer patient blog. Today, we're going to look at the power behind that blog, um, some blogging styles, the pluses, the minuses. In other words, how blogging can either help or hinder a patient in understanding their cancer situation and very importantly how these blogs can influence the decision making processes for cancer patients. So basically the show is going to be about communication and how we can get it better for people who are dealing with cancer. And as you know on this show we do touch into subjects that are little known subjects, subjects that are kept in the silence. Um, that surrounds cancer and because the show has a very practical uh, nature uh, we touch into these subjects so that you the patient or you the supporting person or friend of a cancer patient can be better armed with material that can help to effectively navigate the cancer maze. So let's look first of all here at uh, the role of communication itself in cancer recovery. I think the cancer story, um, it's interesting today that many patients actually have lost some kind of faith or um, a lack of respect in many ways for the medical profession and for what now gets commonly called Big Pharma. And uh, 
In doing that, there's been a swing towards not only the alternative side of things, but also um, the patient stories, people that are going through cancer currently or people that have gone through cancer. And their blogs are becoming the, the information portal for many, many patients. This is a very new swing um, that we're seeing here from the establishment of initially support groups and um, better communication as a result of a support group. But now we're seeing with the internet, not only doctor internet, but the power of the blog that's actually coming through the internet. So uh, we spoke with uh, Dr. Julie Cruz uh, just a little while ago, only a few weeks back, on Navigating the Cancer Maze, and we looked there about the role of patient ethics um, with Dr. Julie. And in thinking about today's show, it's been prompted by many things, of course, that have happened uh, for me during the week, and hopefully this is going to be of some value uh, to you, um, the listener or the patient out there. And in talking about patient ethics with um, Dr. Julie, I started thinking about, well, what is the most empowering thing that can happen to a, a cancer patient if we had to really name that in uh, maybe even just a sentence? And I've come to the uh, conclusion after quite a deal of thought about this that it's really about communication. The most empowering position a patient can take is to feel that they've communicated as accurately as possible to their family, to their friends, to their doctors or other health professionals about the reality of their situation. Now, many people might think that, oh, yes, I'm a great communicator, but are you communicating about the issues that are important ones? Are you communicating how you're actually really feeling about your cancer situation? Um, I believe now, you know, 40 years almost of working with cancer patients, that um, the, the greatest form of positive empowerment um, that a patient can achieve is to be congruent and authentic and have accurate communication. So when someone says to you, you know, how are you feeling today or how are you and you're a cancer patient, you know, perhaps an answer is, well, you know, I'm feeling a bit low today. Maybe I've got some depression, but it'll pass. Let's see what tomorrow brings. So rather than saying, wow, I feel fine, I feel really great, you know, since I've had this cancer, it's a really, really good experience and I'm going to fight this with everything I've got. Well, that might be true in that last, um, that last sentence. You might want to fight it with everything you've got. But the most powerful form of fighting this is to make sure that on all the levels of your cancer plan, your cancer journey, that your communication is authentic, that it is honest that it is genuine. If you're having indecision, confusion and overwhelm due to a number of options and choices um, that appear on Dr. Internet, I really encourage you to think about how you're communicating, how you're thinking, how you're critically thinking about the things that are coming your way. I really encourage my patients to be real to really tell it like it is. And when I ask them, how are things going for you? There's a really important answer on the physical, psychological, emotional, and even spiritual level um, that I get a sense of accuracy of how they're actually feeling. If you don't know that you can't actually address the, the issue, um, 
you know it stays hidden it's one of the silent components of cancer that we so often talk about but think about how much energy and how much stress it actually takes to hold in what you'd really like to be share, sharing with other patients, um, sharing with your friends, um, sharing with your health professionals. That kind of a holding in energy um, is very stressful after a period of time. And then we have the new age component, which we've talked about here quite often on the show, is, oh, I've got cancer. I must be positive. I must think positive. And um, we all know that if you look at a picture of an iceberg with uh, the view of the underwater, that you'll see much more of the iceberg under the water than you see appearing on the top of the water. And this is very much the case for um, the experience of withholding and pretending that you're positive and when you're going through the cancer experience and you're not positive. Now, if people are really feeling up and um, they're, they're in a, a good space and they are feeling positive and they have dealt with certain situations on the cancer journey, that's absolutely fantastic. But it's when there's depression, and I've had the experience this week of um, handing out a questionnaire to someone and on that questionnaire I had uh, some questions of course about how people were responding to their cancer situation. Now to all intents and purposes um, the person said when they were near other people, fantastic, I'm always positive, I'm always looking to do, you know, what's the positive thing, I can't allow myself to be negative, I mustn't have negative thoughts. And um, when I actually read in, uh, in privacy what this person had written, had actually said that they were having a big struggle in dealing with depression. And um, this, of course, puts another lot of stress and tension into the picture when you have to be dealing with a, a very poor situation uh, in cancer management and you're pretending otherwise. And um, it can be very difficult for the health practitioner, for the oncologist or whoever is your treating health professional, to actually get an accurate idea of what is really happening for you. Um, so authenticity is pretty life-saving. And uh, telling your story, telling how you feel, uh, is a very life-saving experience. So if you're someone who is used to withholding and not being um, authentic in your communication, uh, particularly with your family, your close friends and your health practitioners, I'd really encourage you to take a look at this part of your life. Uh, I've talked on the program before about the just one thing principle and um, I think it's fairly relevant here because communication seems to come up on many, many people's hand-drawn pie charts when I ask them, uh, what could you be doing better in your life? If you had to change just one thing, what would it be? And what percentage would you give that if you were drawing a pie chart and you put that on there? And so we see that communication, better communication with, with people, um, learning to let go of, of uh, material that you'd rather not hang on to, finding a counsellor, talking, a whole lot of things come back to this very interesting area of communication. And if we're thinking of communication and signals, in fact, if we look at our cancer cells, um, they're very dependent too, and our healthy cells are very dependent on getting the right signals, getting the right communication happening um, in the body. And so it is for cancer patients on this other level. Um, where does this come from? Why, why do we do this? 
Well, often many of us through our upbringing have been taught a number of the old cliched coping mechanisms. Uh, these are the things like little boys don't cry, you know, you have to keep the peace, you have to be polite to everyone when you're small, um, keep smiling, be happy, um, you know, don't tell other people too much, don't tell other people your business is perhaps another one. So there's a lot of things that we're primed with in our early life that actually teach us not to share. And certainly what I'm saying here is sharing with people that are essential to share with and sharing with people who are also safe to share with. So when we leave home, most of us would rebel against some of these principles and um, affirmations, if you like, that have been given to us through our early lives. But even though we rebel, sometimes they still ring true under the surface. And uh, when you become ill, when you have a life-threatening illness, we often find that these are the very things that do not serve us. Um, when we've got a diagnosis of cancer, this is actually an opportunity to begin looking at what can I do differently? What is the one thing that I am empowered to change that I can change that is going to assist me on this journey? And believe me, it won't be a carrot juice or um, how many bananas or avocados you eat. It will be something more in this realm of communication and how we can effectively uh, communicate to the people who matter the most who are helping to get us well. So we're almost up to time in the first break of uh, navigating the cancer maze. We're going to come back after the break and we're really going to have um, a very solid look at how you can communicate the acts of blogging, um, how you recognise a good blog from a not good blog and uh, what you can do about your own story, your own experience in communicating on navigating the cancer maze. So don't go away. We will be back shortly. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. 
days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Guller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back. We're on Navigating the Cancer Maze, and today we're looking at the issue of communication with cancer patients, and particularly accurate, honest, authentic communication between cancer patients, their practitioners, their health professionals, and also their family and their friends. So we've looked in our first session at the sorts of uh, questions that sometimes can come up and also positive thinking, um, how that can actually influence the communication from cancer patients. So if you're thinking, well, yes, I have to be positive, um, if this is authentic, it's okay. But quite often when people are diagnosed with cancer, there are so many emotional, psychological, practical issues that are stirring around in someone's consciousness. So um, by not addressing some of those issues, it does not make a deposit in the recovery and the healing bank account. So if someone said to you, uh, you know, how are you today? Think about how you might respond if you needed to respond right in this moment, right now, authentically. Would it be, I'm feeling great, or are you not feeling so great? You're feeling a bit down, a bit depressed. Um, You know, that's okay. We seem to think that once you've got cancer or some kind of life-threatening illness, that you have to be up there all the time and be the positive example for other people. Well, that's very depleting, very depleting in our energy to do that. And it's actually not being authentic to ourselves. So um, I've seen patients uh, very, very often who have been this resilient type of coper, um, more stoic sort of person um, who accepts suffering as if it's a part of the necessity of going through cancer and they don't want to trouble anyone they just want to handle it themselves and sometimes this can be a very good way of sabotaging your recovery and um, even sabotaging the well-being and wellness that you could have if your symptoms were far better managed So I'd really like to encourage you to think about this and not be holding up this this false front uh, for people because it's often to make other people feel better. Or it can also be don't come too close because I don't want to uh, really share what's going on with me from the point of view of the cancer patient. 
So one of the ways that we're looking uh, today at uh, the communication, and we know that communication is a very, very good thing for cancer patients to do. In the old days, it was from the support group, um, and even before that, perhaps on a one-to-one counselling basis, or perhaps that was where the church... Um, really held a, a very good position for people to talk with a trusted person back um, back in the old days when there was no other way that you could uh, talk about these personal issues with someone. So it can be a friend, it can be um, a counsellor, um, it can be anybody whom you trust who you can really feel confident of sharing your feelings and maybe even sharing a little bit of your life story with. We'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, The new wave, however, is blogging. And with the blogging has come an interesting set of uh, issues because not all blogging is very useful for the cancer patient, either in the doing of the blog or the reading of the blog. We're going to look uh, later in the show about some positive blogs that are available on the internet and the different kinds of blogs that you can get involved with. Um, Just to begin with, I think the patient has become in some way the empowered person who writes the blog who other people can follow and this probably gives a lot of confidence to patients in fact that they can be following someone who's doing a similar thing. Uh, It can also have the other effect of am I doing enough? Um, Maybe I need to make this decision, maybe I need to you know do uh, 10 juices a day, maybe I'm not doing enough. So if you're reading blogs and they're having this impact on you, confusion, overwhelm, um, gosh, there's so much to do, I don't know what to do, or you're getting stressed by trying to get unstressed, you know, think again about the blogs that you're reading, or indeed maybe even the blogs that you're writing. We'll talk about the two of those things too a little bit later. Um, I think if I was to write some guidelines for bloggers, this is probably not a bad place to start in talking about this subject uh, having seen a lot of uh, blogs over my my career, uh, having written some myself, and having had a number of my patients who have actually started actively blogging. Now, there's many things to look at when we start to analyse the blog. I think the first thing, if you're an author of a blog, you've got to be very clear about your intention in writing the blog. Is it for yourself? Is it for others? Is it for both? Is it an outlet for frustration that can't be sort of put in any other place? Um, Or is it to promote a product perhaps or a service that you found to be effective? And remember that that product uh, may may have helped you too, but may not help anyone else. Um, We have patient bloggers now. There's a bit of a celebrity status with being a, a patient blogger. Puts a tremendous pressure on the blogger um, to perform, if you like, um, to be someone to be looked up to, to be someone who can be counted on to be there. And um, sadly, I've seen a few of those stories not work out too well in the end. I think blogging uh, needs to be a very conscious activity. If you're thinking of uh, writing a blog, or indeed if you are um, writing one now, I think the uh, most important thing 
for me is consideration for the reader. Um, the internet is very faceless and when we put things out there we never know what the impact or the effect's going to be and even with 40 years experience when I write my blogs um, or uh, do anything for my website I'm always very conscious of who might read this how might they interpret this um, is it going to have a positive impact and how can I deliver news to people that's perhaps a bit of bad news for them, uh, particularly if they've believed in a particular thing. But, um, you know, how can I deliver that in a way that's not going to cause trouble? And I guess that gets back to the old uh, precept of do no harm, above all, do no harm, which, of course, was in the Hippocrates um, medical decree. So I'm always very conscious of that, and I'd really encourage you, um, if you're a blog reader or a blog writer, on this subject of cancer, which is so important because people are going to hang on to every word with this. So it's so important to be conscious of how you're presenting this and how you're interpreting it if you're actually the reader. Um, I think the bloggers, the authors of the blogs, need to recognise that readers are vulnerable they're frightened people. Um, they may be, in the short term, have just been diagnosed with cancer or some life-threatening condition. In the long term, they may be grasping at straws, looking for the solution. But you can bet that there's a fear base somewhere along there. So people might be feeling helpless, hopeless, vulnerable. And think about how your information is going to impact that kind of person. Really think about that. Will it add credit to their wellness bank account? Um, or is it going to add more confusion, more overwhelm, or what we would say is a subtraction from the wellness bank account? Um, I think, you know, your words can inadvertently um, affect someone's decision-making processes. Put yourself in their position. How would you feel if you were coming into this and you were reading your blog um, if you were this patient. I think always putting yourself in the shoes of someone else is quite a good way to see how this is going to be impacting you. Um, so as responsibility, I suppose, is the other one that comes up here. Are you willing to be responsible for the material that you create, for the material that you pass on, um, for its effect and its impact on other patients out there in the cyber world who are looking for solutions. I always uh, say to my patients, if you're hearing something from another person and you're feeling a little, uh, you know, unsure, gee, well, that sounds like a good thing, but I wonder if, just ask, are you willing to take responsibility for me taking this path, taking this supplement, um, taking this regime? Um, you know, are you willing to be responsible for me? And you'll probably find that most people will say no because uh, it's just something we don't think about. A lot of good-natured people want to pass on information too because they think it helps. They feel hopeless and powerless, so they want to pass on anything that they come by in terms of uh, cancer help. I've got someone who writes to me almost every week with something that they find on the internet that they think might be helpful for other cancer patients. And um, in the main, a lot of those things are actually quite mischievous and uh, 
uh, it's very awkward with this person who just keeps writing and writing and they probably pass this on to many people without actually knowing um, from a qualified point of view or for a longevity in the field point of view that this has been rehashed many, many, many times before. Um, I think when you're writing a blog too, it's you're expressing your feelings about your cancer experience, but I think it's very important to say that they're your experience um, because people will try to emulate the experience of other people. Everyone's different and we know that there's no one size fits all in cancer medicine. So um, be careful of the negative impact about the personal experiences that you've had. Um, this could be something like a procedure that you have had or undergone that has not gone very well um, and you might want to be sharing that on your blog. Consider how that might impact another person coming along who reads that and is about to have that same procedure. Now it may be you've been the one in 10,000 that actually had that experience um, and you can see that this can feed into the fear factor that um, cancer patients probably have enough of anyway. Um, what feelings are you going to leave people with when they finish your blog, when they've read it? Um, are they going to feel more empowered? Um, are they going to have had a, a good psychological boost? Or have they had a, a lot of information which is only going to create perhaps more confusion for them? Very hard to personalise and individualise in cancer medicine, but it's the way that it's going in the conventional sense and it should be the way that it's going in the complementary medicine sense as well and in the psychological sense. So it's time for another break on Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're going to come back and explore the issues of blogging and cancer patients. Don't go away. scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back. It's our third session today on Navigating the Cancer Maze. And we're talking about communication, and in particular, we're talking about blogging. So just in a very quick overview, we're looking at the blogging experience from the point of view of the author and from the point of view of the reader of the blog. So we're looking at what is going to be helpful and what might not be helpful in a blog for cancer patients. Um, Something that's very difficult to address in, in this area is what happens when a blogger has been going for some years, they've been writing a, a very positive, upbeat blog, they've been doing a lot of different things that they've shared with patients and other patients have actually followed, and then the blogger dies from the very cancer that has inspired other people to do, you know, they've inspired other people to do so many things. Um, this this gets to be a real issue, not only in blogging, but actually in support groups as well, um, or when people have been together in any kind of cancer group. There's often a, a reticence, a difficulty, an uncomfortableness with even uh, corresponding or writing with people when people have been in a, a support group or other group environment because what if what if that person hasn't made it and uh, when we have the blogging uh, situation this can really affect a lot of people if you've been following a blog for some time and taking a lot of your advice from it it's a little bit like a you know your doctor might have uh, died while he was in the middle of giving you some treatment it can create a lot of um, psychological angst for people um, a lot of uh, despondency and a lot of the sense, of course, of the fear of failure, especially if you've put a lot of um, belief and energy into the person who's been the blogger. And uh, over the last uh, 10 years, so I've seen this phenomenon quite often, and uh, it's very disturbing. A lot of people that have written books about um, cancer who have, in fact, uh, died from cancer and if you've been putting all of your apples in that particular um, place, it's it's very uh, upsetting and disconcerting. So um, I think that takes us back to how we started in the program today too, talking about your own empowerment and your own sense of knowing who you are and where you're going and what you're doing. And yes, you can um, take a little bit of advice from some people, but knowing what your path is because you've been true to yourself. I think you can't go wrong with uh, taking that kind of approach into the cancer situation. 
Um, so having dealt with that one, we're going to talk about that one a little bit more next week uh, when I'm actually going to be interviewing someone who, um, who has a very interesting blog and we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Um, I think blogging on the upside uh, really can serve a very good purpose from the human side. Um, the challenges of getting through cancer, the challenges of getting through a diagnosis, the real things that you encounter without being prescriptive or diagnostic or telling other people what they should do. I think they're the kind of blogs that are very useful and they're the ones to actually look for. Um, how much should a patient reveal in a blog? Um, is another question. If you are the, um, the author or you're considering maybe starting up a blog, so if you feel, I think if you want to um, vent um, or tell, you know, the everyday events, the details, blow by blow, the, the treatments, what you've really felt and experienced, I think there's a better avenue for that to be in a personal journal. Um, we're getting far too much information, I think, on the web um, via the blogs that really telling people, um, personal experiences which may not be relevant to you. So um, personal journals, fantastic. Uh, many of my clients over the years have found that that's almost like become their counsellor, their own personal journal. It's a personal record for you as well so that you can chart actually how you're doing. It's not for public display. Um, it might be something that you share this journal with a partner or a close friend but it does remain as a personal record. Um, journaling is a really excellent way of self-assessment and it can be a really fantastic healing tool. A blog, on the other hand, puts you out into the world. The freedom of expression is very appealing. It's faceless sometimes. Um, but it can also mean that you're far too disclosive. Um, and disclosive on many different levels too. Once something's out on a blog, it's pretty hard really to uh, to take it back, even if it gets taken off the internet. Um, there's many people that might have read it before it was taken down, and therefore it's had that particular impact. I was at a workshop some years ago, actually, in the U.S., and uh, there was an author, I was going to look this up before the show today, but if you just write this into Google, I'm sure it will come up. It's quite excellent little book called uh, Mightier Than the Sword. And it's got a lot of hints in there about how to write a journal. I know you can pick that book up on Amazon. I have seen it from time to time. If anyone wants to know more about that and you can't find it, let me know. Um, you can always email me at institute at Grace Gawler, G-A for Apple, W-L-E-R dot com. And uh, I'll be able to forward some information about that. So we've looked at the blogs. Uh, we've looked at the issues that uh, can be created by um, blogging. I'd like to have a look now at the different kinds of blogs that you can be involved with. And I think one of the safest ones to bring to your attention is the moderated blog or the cancer forum. Now, a moderated blog or forum is where you can join up. They usually have a username, a password. They usually require from you an authentic email address. 
And on that blog, you can ask questions, you can make comments, and there's usually a moderator um, who can assess and filter some of the content that's displayed. Um, I think some of these blogs are, are excellent. Uh, there's a number of them on the internet now. I think you could uh, do well by looking at cancerforums.net. That's www.cancerforums, all one word, F-O-R-U-M-S, dot net. Um, on there you'll find a very long list of the different cancer forums for the different types of cancers that you can join up with. Very, very helpful for people going through cancer who are looking for that kind of emotional, psychological support, um, understanding, compassion, um, identifying with another patient or another family's experience. I think that's very, very helpful um, indeed. Um, they usually have a very strong ethical principle on these sites um, and if any comments aren't posted there's usually a way of having a dialogue with the moderator um, so that you can find out why your comment uh, may not have been published. They usually vet websites as well um, so they're very careful about promoting a product or promoting um, other services through a website and that's actually pretty useful because it means that you're not likely to get far uh, deviated from what you're there for. And I think what you're there for primarily is to look for that kind of compassionate support and the identifying of you know someone else going through the experience. I uh, find this type of forum particularly helpful for people who are going through uh, the cancer experience with children where the families are needing support. So um, if you're in that situation, you can look up leukemia and some of the other types of um, cancer that children are more prone to and find there is one big lot of support out there. So it's not going to be devious. It's not going to take you off in directions where um, you, you don't really want to go. And let's face it, I think when it comes to cancer, you don't have the time to take too many deviations off the track. Um, a lot of the uh, more um, flamboyant or entrepreneurial bloggers are very keen to walk in the path of the experimental. Um, they're going into what they see as uncharted waters and trying to create a chart. Um, but that can have serious consequences as well. Um, and it's unfortunate that uh, sometimes cancer patients do follow that lead. Now, I want to mention uh, another blog for Australians listening, uh, for people um, in America. The cancerforums.net is excellent. Look up your major societies. Um, they often have a cancer forum now associated with them, and uh, you'll be able to get some help from there. Now, for the UK, um, there is rather an excellent one called scienceblog.cancerresearchuk.org scienceblog.cancerresearch.org and they've got some very good ideas um, for uh, looking at how you put your information on a blog they've got excellent guidelines um, they like people to keep to the subject matter they don't post things that are not appropriate for the cancer patients they don't post any medical advice um, either and they're very strong on respect for others. 
So they make sure that whatever's been put out there is um, appropriate on the blog. And I think that's really fantastic. Um, they've got about three pages worth of information as to what the guidelines are for their blog. And I really heartily endorse you having some involvement with that. Um, when you discover a blog, let's just do some point forms here, checking it out. I think it's good to identify who, who the blogger is, who's writing this, do they come from a place of experience, qualification, they've got any longevity in the field of cancer is important. The second one, as we've just talked about, is the blog moderated. Um, if it's a patient blog, please use your critical thinking and common sense. Is this person trying to sell me a product, an ideology? Um, are they trying to uh, gather strength for their own cause and maybe just go into their, their own material a little too much because that's not going to be very helpful for you? Um, so use your common sense in that one. Go back to that all-important question, what is this person's intention in writing their blog? Um, do you go away from that blog feeling like you've had a, a wonderful experience or has it created a lot of confusion for you? Um, it's an obvious answer to that. So it's your choice, you know, whether you return to a blog again and again. Um, and just, just check out, too, whether the author's got a bit of a vigilante style. Um, I, I think mainly for blogging, just go back to why are you there as well? Not only why are they there, why are you there reading it? What is your need? And how can you get that need fulfilled in some other way other than a, a faceless person on a blog or indeed Dr. Internet. We're going to be back shortly on Navigating the Cancer Maze to finish up today talking about blogging. Don't go away. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit Visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. 
stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Guller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Hello, Grace Gawler here. We're back with our last session today of Navigating the Cancer Maze. And uh, today, talking about communication in blogging, the importance of the positive uh, blog that's inspiring, and the blogs that can also be misleading and uh, take you on another cancer journey that can actually take you away from a lot of your peace of mind. So it's very important that when you are reading blogs that you learn how to be selective with the internet, um, use your powers of critical thinking, And use the checklist from today. Just think, is this person uh, being respectful to both myself, themselves, perhaps other people? Um, Is what they're writing going to be helpful? Is it going to help your well-being? Or is it going to set about more and more um, frustration or uh, hopelessness or that you're just plain not doing enough and there's more that you have to find out um, to navigate the maze. So we're looking for blogs that uh, promote a compassionate view, that uh, have some sense and sensibility about them and that won't be misleading. And um, if you want to err on the side of safety, I'd suggest go towards the moderated uh, blogs because they are going to give you um, somewhere where there's been an intervention to check out whether this material is likely to be misleading or not. Now, I came across a blog um, during the week, and I'm very thankful to uh, someone who actually sent this to me. Um, it really says, uh, says a lot about the uh, positive side of blogging and uh, what blogs really should be used for. Um, so this blog is sort of another, another type where there's a little bit of uh, information sharing, but the majority of the blog is actually about uh, the actual experience of cancer, the feelings, the emotions going through it, um, and not so high on what you should uh, do, what you should take, what you should eat, etc. And the blog's called journeyingbeyondbreastcancer.com. Now, the journeying, I'll spell for you because it's a little tricky. It's J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-I-N-G, journeying beyondbreastcancer.com. I think if you're a patient, you'd find this blog uh, very useful and, uh, as I said, very inspiring. Um, The lady's Ennis O'Connor, and um, I think she's from Ireland, and she talks about the benefits of blogging. And uh, she says that blogging increases social support, self-esteem and empowerment. I think that's very true. Um, Blogs offer an online place for expression of emotion and information exchange. 
they bring about a sense of community. And one of the things in this world of uh, cyberspace that we live in, that uh, community seems to be uh, getting a little bit lost out there. So there's a certain bonding that happens um, through the Cancer Patient blog. It's a very different kind of experience than, say, listening to a, a health practitioner of some kind, a medical practitioner, an oncologist. The blog really puts people together in a sense of we're a cancer community and we're trying to do something about it and we're lending some support. Um, she says the blogs make you feel like you're not alone, which is a part of that, and that someone else understands what you're going through. During cancer, there's a plan and a significant support, of course, from family and friends, but she says when her cancer treatment ended, the full impact of what happened actually hit her. So she was experiencing that stage that we've talked about many times on this show is the experience of the trauma of cancer, the trauma of diagnosis. So some people, the trauma of the life and the life story that went before, and uh, if you add to that the trauma of treatments, it's a, it's a pretty uh, circuitous pathway, the pathway of the cancer patient. Um, so she found at that point she needed more support and she talks about this place of being left in limbo which we've also talked about here on the show where patients feel like well what's next I've done uh, everything I need to do and there is this gap so this gap can actually be helped by good um, good support good blogging um, good sharing of the experience of that loneliness because that's the place where I think patients can really bond in to know that you're not out there as the only person in the world who's going through this. Many have gone through it before, many are going through it now and many will go through it again. And um, these are the more humanistic um, aspects of the value of writing a good blog. So um, she says she certainly wasn't adequately prepared for that stage, and I think that's true of many patients. Uh, she also points out that cancer can be frightening and lonely, as we've just said. Um, and as we touched on in the beginning, being able to write about it honestly and connecting with others, it is a powerful release. But we've talked about that release in not being venting your whole story blow by blow. It's about talking about the experience. And someone many years ago said something very wise to me, that as, uh, as you go on, your story will get shorter. As you actually heal from the wounds of the cancer, the wounds of your life, that the scars get smaller and that actually, you know, you'll start off in your, your new life with a story that's quite short. And I see that happening again and again with cancer patients who move into this other place, um, who move out of the totally focused treatment phase, which we'd see as our, um, our stage one in my three stages of healing model, and they move into this next stage, which is much more of a, a healing model and a lot more easeful and a lot less um, stress and seeking and searching in that particular kind of model. Um, the thing she also points out here is the value of listening to other people's stories, and I think that is exceptionally important. Um, every person in the world has a story. Every patient has a cancer story, and they have the story of their life that came into it. Those two things are connected. Um, it's good not to forget about the life that went before because I think we can come so focused, and that's perhaps one of the other negatives of um, some blogs, is being so focused on cancer that there's no room for any life. 
And that can be uh, not a good experience and be quite overwhelming and actually quite energy depleting. So remembering all the good things you did before, the good memories from before, is a part of the healing experience. I'll just mention the name of um, this blog again, journeyingbeyondcancer.com. Um, in uh, closing today I just want to also mention next week on the show I have a special guest Um, she is a blog author and she's someone who started blogging earlier this year she's been dealing with cancer for a couple of years before that and she has a terrific blog actually and it's again it's not the moderated blog it's not totally the um, supportive compassionate blog that's a little bit of information somehow she's moved into another category and um, the blog's based on her experiences and some of the experiences of the people that she's met along the way and it's very valuable indeed and I've been getting some fantastic feedback on her blog Um, I think one way to tell whether blogs are really working uh, for myself um, as a cancer educator, a strategist and advocate, I get a lot of people writing to me and saying what they found was really helpful and they found this particular blog so. It is B is for bananas, C is for cancer, .wordpress.com. I think the title says quite a lot about this particular lady. Uh, She's got a quirky sense of humour and um, she started off on the breast cancer journey doing alternative medicine, being monitored um, and things not uh, finishing up so well, having to go through a semi-conventional route and conventional route um, in her finding of recovery and the challenges that she's had along the way. And I think um, her blog's very reflective of that. She shares some of the material that she's found useful, but in a way that is not overwhelming and in a way that doesn't make you feel bad if you don't do it. Um, So next week, we'll be with Rona on Navigating the Cancer Maze for the whole show. Please email me, institute at grayscaller.com. If you'd like more information uh, about anything in the show at all, and please do look at germancancertreatments.com, which is uh, one of our worldwide websites, and Institute um, is the other website where you'll find grayschoolerinstitute.com is where you'll find a lot of resources and information to help you navigate the cancer maze. We'll be back doing it again next week, so don't miss the show. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. 